microphone on when I'm supposed to. Um, I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here, and I cannot wait to see all of you, not this coming Friday, but the next Friday, June 3rd at 6 o'clock p.m. We're going to do some community fun stuff at the Magnolia Building on the Hyde Park United Methodist Campus. It's just a few uh, blocks down the street. We're going to take some time to worship God. This is an opportunity like we've never had before to invite your friends. You know somebody who has gone through a season in their lives where they need joy and hope and a community of people who will surround them like they've never needed before. Don't miss this opportunity to invite them in to what God is doing. On September 27th, 2018, it was a Saturday night, I was a senior in college at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. I was serving as a youth intern with a local church. I was helping out with a youth group. I had just started that job about a month earlier after this encounter with God. Jesus, like, changed my life. I was feeling a call to ministry, and so this church hired me to work with their youth. And so I, um, that, that particular weekend, found myself on a fall retreat with a bunch of youth. I was in charge of 12 girls who were in 7th and 8th grade. We had a cabin. The boys were in a separate spot. Um, I had also, at this point in my life, just, like, just started dating this guy who I was absolutely smitten with. Yes, I married him. His name was Chris. It was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. But we had just started dating, and I hadn't talked to him since we left on Friday for the retreat. It was Saturday night, so I got all the girls inside. I was like, listen, you don't have to go to bed. It's 11 o'clock. I just want you to, like, be quiet for just a minute. I'm going to sneak out here with my flip phone. Anybody here remember flip phones? I'm going to sneak out with my flip phone, walk around in the woods, pray I can find a signal, and I'm going to try to call Chris so I can catch up with him and see how his weekend's been. I don't want him to think I'm, like, in the woods not thinking about him. So I, like, called, I called Chris up, and he answers the phone, and I can tell something is wrong. Hello, his voice is, like, shaking and, and, and sort of choked up. And I was like, Chris, is everything all right? What in the world? is wrong. And he said, Erica, my Florida Gators just lost to the Ole Miss Rebels in the swamp on the year we were supposed to be undefeated. And his voice is like shaking and, and he's upset about it. And I was like, oh, is that really all that's wrong? Um, most women at that moment would be like, I'm not sure if this guy can love me more than he loves football. But I was thinking, thank goodness God sent me the man of my dreams because he knows how to handle my emotions during Carolina basketball season because he's going to get this exact same phone call in a few months. So anyway, he, um, he tells me, you know, they, they lost. They should not have lost. Uh, Florida was ranked number four in the nation. Anybody here remember this game? Even if you're a Florida State fan, you're like, yeah, I remember that game. I was cheering for Ole Miss. Um, so anyway, they, um, they lose this game when they're really like the best team in the nation. It was the best chance that the, this university ever had of going undefeated for the year. And their fan base, Gator Nation, was brokenhearted. Anybody remember this, this game? Chris was like, I mean, I've never, he was distraught, absolutely distraught. So at the end of the phone call, I was like, um, well, I'm really sorry. It was a short phone call. I was like, I'm really sorry that that happened. Um, maybe we could grab something to eat for dinner tomorrow night? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll order some comfort food, and you can come over when you get home from the retreat. And so I get home from the retreat. I text him on my flip phone. I tell him I'm headed over to his apartment. He's got some cheeseburgers and fries or something that he's ordered. And I, the second I walk in, he takes his laptop, 
sets it on the table, opens it up, and he shows me I'm this sorry. video. I'm uh, extremely sorry. You know, we were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal. Something Florida's has never done here. But I promise you one thing. A lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season. And you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season. And you never see a team play harder than we will the rest of the season. God bless. Y'all, I love Tim Tebow <laughs> so much. I still like get emotional um, watching that. It's, it's known in Gator Nation as the promise. It was the moment where Tim Tebow apologized to Gator Nation for the team settling into who they thought they were and not preparing like they needed to for a game. And they lost and were embarrassed and defeated on their home field in front of a packed stadium. I share this story with you. I share this story with you this morning because here's the deal. I think there are a lot of us in this room who are sitting in this seat right now and you know, you know what it's like to feel the pain of defeat. You know what, it's, what it feels like to feel the tears of shame from getting something wrong. You know what it's like to expect a season of victory and hope to be excited about the future that is to come and to be in a moment where it all fell through your hands. And this is, the, this is the deal. We're in the middle of a message series called Don't Settle and you have an opportunity right now, this morning, not a week from now, not a month from now, not six months from now, but you have a choice right now. In the middle of defeat and pain and hard seasons in your life, will you settle? Or will you, just like Tim Tebow promised, will you fuel up with the hope that God has for you and for your life and for the people around you? And will you start chasing God's purpose? Will you choose to settle or refuse to? You get to make that decision right now. There's a man named Timothy. He's a young pastor much like Chris and I, he was probably even about our age. He was starting a couple of new churches in the area, in the neighborhood, the community where he lived. This was 2,000 years ago. He served under a man named Paul. He was a mentor for him. Paul loved him like he was his own son. And Paul writes Timothy a letter. He's about He's about to die. He's about to, his life is about to, to end. He's older. He's been in and out of jail. He's lived a really hard life. Paul experienced the grace and transforming love of God like no one had ever experienced before. A lot of folks in that time, the, the disciples of Jesus watched Jesus die on the cross and raise again. They watched, they looked inside of an empty tomb. They knew it. They witnessed it. They saw it. Paul did not have that opportunity. And he chased a purpose that the world gave him for his life. He chased, per he chased power and prestige and fame. He finds himself raising up in the ranks of the Roman army, literally killing people who follow Jesus, literally working to end the movement of God. And he couldn't quite get ahead. He couldn't quite get ahead of this movement. But he needed to, to get to move up in the ranks. And he's on the road. It's called the Damascus Road. He's on the road headed to gain more power and more privilege and more fame and more wealth and more money. Anybody feel like you've walked those roads before? He's on the road headed that way, literally leaving a path of destruction and evil and brokenness in, it, in, in his wake. 
And he's, she's walking towards that. And in that, in a moment, in just one moment, God made Paul blind. He could no longer see the luxury of living this life of wealth and power and fame and prestige. He could no longer see it. He was stopped in his tracks. And it was, it was the moment where God could speak to Paul. He said, Paul, I have a purpose for your life that will be about building up the kingdom of God. I have a purpose for your life where you're not trying to stamp out the movement of Jesus, but that you are making sure that widows who are thrown to the side and cast out on the outside of society, that they are cared for and loved. I've got a purpose for you to lead people to know and to work and to roll up their sleeves, offering the love of Jesus to orphans and hungry people and sick people and poor people. I have a purpose for you to lead this movement and quit fighting it. And Paul, in that moment, just like many of us have had, said, I don't want to do anything else with my life, God, than to serve you. Do you remember that moment? Have you had that moment in your life where, where the, the story of Jesus being died, dying on the cross and being raised again to new life, that story not just was a story you heard on Easter Sunday in a church, but it was a story that took root in your life? Can anybody here remember that moment in your life? Maybe you've not had it. Today's your day. Let that story take root in your life. Paul let it take root. And he said, do new things through me, God. I didn't see the empty tomb, but I believe in it because I know what you did with my life. And then he continued to build churches and new churches, churches that brought people like Timothy in, fueled them up, fueled them up to share the love of Jesus, this movement with the people around them. So Timothy is starting this church, and Paul is, is nearing the end of his life, and he writes him this letter. It's found in the New Testament, 2 Timothy. It's the last letter he writes to him, 2 Timothy. This morning, I'm going to read to you some of these last words in this letter. And I want you to know that these words that I'm going to read are, are words that God gave to Paul to offer to Timothy. And in this church, we believe that these words are God-breathed. That this morning, in hearing them, the Holy Spirit is here in this place. And these words aren't just for Timothy 2,000 years ago. These words are for us gathered in this church this morning. I want you to hear them and cling to them this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom... Paul says, Paul says, I've seen him. I've seen him at work. I've watched his kingdom brick by brick be built by people who believe in this. He said, I give you this charge. I give you this charge, Timothy, but I give you this charge, Chris. I give you this charge, Faith. I give you this charge, Kara. I give you this charge, Julie. I give you this charge, preach the word. Preach the word in actions and, in, and with your words. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. The world corrects and rebukes and encourages, but we're going to do it different because we follow Jesus. We're going to do it with, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when humans will not put up with sound doctrine, we'll sit around and we'll be the only people who believe in these words of God. 
Instead, Paul says, instead to suit their own desires, the things they want in their lives, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and, and they will turn aside to myths, things that are not true. But you, Timothy, you, Chris, and Gretchen, and Jacob, and Faith, you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Evangel, evangel means good news. Do the work of spreading the good news. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out, Paul says, like a drink offering. I've offered my life on the altar for God. And the time has come for my departure. It's time for me to enter into life eternal. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. What I'm clinging to now is knowing that God's new creation is going to be made known to me and I will wear it on my head in heaven in just a few moments. The Lord, the righteous judge, he's going to award it to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This crown of righteousness and goodness isn't just for me, Paul says, it's for you too, Timothy. Cling to it even when things are hard. For those of you in the middle of a season where you want to settle, I want, I want us to just look at what Paul tells Timothy in these last few words that he ever says to him. The first thing he says is prepare. Prepare in season and out of season. I need to tell y'all, I feel like I say this every week, but it's the most important thing I can do as your pastor and your shepherd, and that is encourage you to be taking alone time with God every single day. In the mornings, I read a book by Paul David Tripp called New Morning Mercies. Each day, there's a devotion and a scripture to read, and I spend time praying and being quiet with God, and it changes the course of my day, and it is changing the trajectory of my life because I spend time with God. In the evenings, I read one psalm. I read one of the psalms. Psalms are in the middle of the book. They were in the middle of the Bible. They were written by a man named King David. King David did some really terrible things and some all right things in the world. And he sits down and he uses his gift that God gave him to write these praises and these prayers and these sort of pouring out moments before God. He uses them. So I use that at night. I read one psalm. I read the scripture. And then I just take in my journal. I take my journal out and I just write a few things that I observed about the scripture. The first psalm talks about a tree being planted by a stream of water. And I remember it, when I was reading Psalm 1, just writing down, I want to be a tree planted by a stream of water. I want to know what it's like for my roots to get what they need. Just sit down with, with a psalm, read the scripture, write a few observations, and then spend some time. How does this apply for my life right now? If I want my roots to be in the water that I, of the of the of the grounds that he just talked about in this psalm, then what do I need to be doing to make sure my roots get what they need? How does this apply to your life? And then write a short prayer, just two or three minutes before you go to bed. Focus on God and what God wants to do in your life. Prepare in season. Prepare in the middle of the seasons where God has given you victory and, and things are going the way you're supposed to. Prepare in that season to keep doing the work of God. Do not neglect your alone time with God in the seasons of good. 
and do not neglect your time with God when you are out of season. Because God is always preparing you for something. You are worthy and you are good. I'm not asking you to do one more thing in your day. I'm asking you to spend time with the creator and maker of your body, your heart, your soul, and your purpose. And I'm asking you to get acquainted with him and to know him personally and to know his call over your life. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Don't forget. Don't forget what it is God has asked you to do. Prepare in season and out of season. Do not, do not wait till next week or till the new year or till school starts to begin this practice of preparing with God. Begin it tonight. Open up your Bible and start with Psalm 1 if you need to. Spend some alone time with God. Prepare, prepare to follow him. Prepare for the work God has for you in good seasons and in bad seasons. It is no, it is no secret in here that Tim Tebow is a man of faith. He prepared in season and out of season. He's always doing what it needs to be on the field and in his life with God. Let's live that kind of life. The second thing that Paul asks Timothy to do, did y'all hear that? Correct, rebuke, teach, encourage, and do this with patient and careful instruction. All of us in here know someone who we can count on to discourage us, to point out the bad, Every one of us in here has worked for someone who it's easier for them to play the blame game than it is for them to lead. It is easier for them to, to, do, to pay attention to all the wrong things instead of encourage and empower what it is God's doing. I have been guilty of this as a leader. I can go home on a Sunday morning and I can remember every time the sound didn't go right and when I missed a note and when I didn't do the transition right, I can go home and settle on all of that or we can decide what it is that's going well. There are 30 kids over there in Horizon Kids being taught about the love of Jesus. How do we throw fuel on that fire to make sure every kid in this community knows about the love of God? How are we throwing fuel on the fires of the things that God is doing in the world? Be the kind of person who empowers. It is going to be different. It is going to be different than what the world offers. That's what he says. Sure, there are people who encourage and, and teach and rebuke and correct and all these things. There are people who do that all the time in the world. Be different than the world and offer that with patience and careful instruction. And if you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. God has called every single person in these seats to be a leader for the way that he is creating the new things that he is doing in the world. It is time this morning, right now, to figure out how you can be a person who empowers others, who encourages. We are a world fueled by fear, fueled by fear. People do everything they do because they're fueled by fear. What does it look like in a face and in a world filled with fear? What does it look like that we're encouraging, encourage? That we are building up the courage and gifts of the people around us. Be different than the world around you. Paul says this as his dying words. It's the thing that made the most difference in his life. It's why he was excited to get up in the morning, even when he went to sleep on the floor of a jail cell. Because encouraging others is about the way of Jesus, and it will fuel a passion and a joy in your life like you have never experienced before. Let's all promise to be people who empower others around us, even in seasons of defeat. Don't settle. Don't settle. Remember those tears running down Tim Tebow's face? I promise to do better and to do different. I can admit that I'm wrong, but that's the way that I'm going to start to empower people today. I, I've done some wrong things here as your leader. 
But I believe God's power to do good things through us is is more powerful than all of that. And we're going to start building on those things that God is doing. Do that in your life and in your workplaces. I can't wait to walk the streets of South Tampa and people be like, I don't know what's happening at your church, but my work environment's completely different because my boss leads with the power and love of Jesus, and I want to be a part of that. Let's be those kinds of people who are empowering and encouraging in a world fueled with fear. And the third thing that he says is press on. Press on. There's going to be hardships, he said. Endure them. There's going to be times where there's a lot easier things to do. Press on. Press on. Keep going. Someone in here needs to be told that this morning. Press on. We got you. Look around this room. There are people who love you and want to walk the journey to goodness and grace and love that God has for you. We want to walk that with you. Press on. You have a God who loves you and wants to do amazing and mighty things in and through your life. Press on. Press on. Paul says to Timothy, keep going. Don't settle. Press on. When it's tough and you want to quit and you want to run back, press on. Press on. These aren't Erica's words. These weren't just Paul's words. These were the words of God. These are the words of God given to Paul to share with Timothy for the church and for the people here for a long time. Press on. And he says, he doesn't just say press on. He says, do it for this reason. For this reason, you've already won the crown of righteousness. God, through Jesus Christ, has already won the battle we feel like we're fighting. It might not end the way we want it to. I live in this world that you live in. It does not feel like I live in a world that is victorious that it's pressing on to the goodness of God. That's not what the world feels like. I get it. I know. I believe you. I hear you. But Paul, in in his last day, says, don't pay more attention to that than what it is God is doing in you and through you and what God has for you. You've already won the game. One loss doesn't define us. The, the, the grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ that is literally flowing through your veins, that's what matters. You've already won. Press on. Keep going. Don't settle. It literally is not in our, in our ability anymore once we follow Jesus. It is literally out of our capacity to continue to settle because the story of God is through Jesus Christ. He was raised again, raised up to a new life. I say this this morning because I believe some of us, some of us have forgot about the goodness that God has for us. We forgot that through Jesus literally running through our veins, that that the, the battle has already been won. God's already done the victorious thing. All we have to do is keep stepping into it. And what we choose to do so often is step over on this road and settle instead. Right now, this morning, don't wait. Don't wait. If you've followed Jesus for 20 years and you've just been going through the motion, take a step off the settled road and walk into the way that leads us to new life. Step into it this morning. If you've never, ever taken that step, there's no better day than today. I would love to close out this season in Wilson with people 110% committed to not settling anymore. Who are ready to walk the road that Jesus has for us, a victorious road where there is goodness and glory waiting for us. It might be hard. 
can be uncomfortable sometimes, but this road, Paul says, is worth it. It's worth it. I'm going to read you um, what the message says about uh, Paul's last words, and then I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us. Um, you take over, Paul says to Timothy. You take over. I'm about to die. My life has been an offering on God's altar. But this is what I know, he says. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard fights to the finish. And this was the only race worth running. I've run this race right to the finish and I've believed all the way that all that's going to be left now is the shouting. God's applause, you good and faithful servant, depend on it. Depend on the day when God applauds you for what you've done. Depend on it. He's an honest and good and compassionate judge. He's not like the ones we know. He'll do right, not only by me, Paul says, but by everyone eager for his coming, by every single person who has decided to stop settling and to step in the ways of Jesus and walk in new life. Will you pray with me? God, I pray right now over these people. I pray this will be the morning that they stop settling and they start walking in your way that leads to life. I pray for the hearts this morning who've never, ever had an opportunity to make that decision. I pray this will be the morning where they step into your way. I pray for the people who, much like me, feel like they've been going through the motions for a while and who are ready for this life, for this, for this race to feel like it's worth running. I pray, God, this morning that your presence will be made known and we will know that the race we are running is worth it to keep going, to press own. I thank you, God. I thank you for each person in these seats, and I thank you for each person over the last four years that have sat in these seats, who've experienced your grace in the middle of a middle school auditorium. I thank you, God, that you are so big and so powerful and so honest and compassionate and good that you have met us here in this place to offer us good news and a new way of life. Thank you, God, for it. And we pray right now as we continue to run the race you've sat before our church, that you've literally put before us. We pray, God, that we will run it with a focus on your glory and your goodness being made known throughout this city. We pray right now, God, that, that the closing on the, the bowling alley, God, that, that that will go smooth this week. We pray right now that our summer will be one where we are so empowered by you and what you're doing that we don't settle and we come on Friday nights and we bring everybody we know with us. We pray, God, we pray, God, that you will bring more kids and families, that, that we will be found faithful and, and loving and surrounding Mason and that you'll give us more and more and more and more kids to be faithful stewards of your faith and goodness to God. We love you so much. Thank you for not settling for us. Give us courage, God. Give us faith and boldness to not settle for you. We love you. Amen. On the night before Jesus,